This is your other brother's podcast. Your other brother's podcast, navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. From the Jewel of the Blue Ridge, my name is Tom. I'm so glad you're here. I don't say that enough. I'm so glad you're here, though. That's legit. And this is really interesting and weird and different. Coming at us from the city of forts, it's our brother Jacob. Yeah. Hey there, guys. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say hello. Sorry. But then also coming. Coming at us from the city of Forts, it's our brother Ryan. Hey everyone. Oh my gosh. Ryan and Jacob together in the city of Forts. This has been like, mm-hmm. this is like um, a, a long saga that's finally coming to a close because I've been to the city of Forts and recorded with Jacob. I've been to the city of Oaks numerous times to record with Ryan, but y'all two have never been together in one place to record together. This is like, this mm-hmm. ends the circle. Yes. And his and his eyes have been open to the magic that is Fort Wayne, <laughs> Indiana. That I I believe that everyone during their life should mm. visit. It's true. It's a great place for anyone who doesn't like hills <laughs> or, <laughs> or changes in elevation or anything too exciting or loud. I was gonna it's say changes nice, in elevation or just changes city. at all. Like it's just in general, very no. <laughs> very what you see is what you get, and it's probably just always yep. been that way, huh? Uh, I mean, I would say that we as a city are on the rise, mm. and the evidence of that is I want to. Are we? Are plug. they? We are. We are. What uh, rise? I do not see a rise anywhere. <laughs> we, we are rising in our own special way. The Great Chicago Tribune recently ish posted an article about the top 20 Midwest cities, sorry, the top 10 mm. Midwest cities to visit in 2020, and Fort Wayne was number 10. Whoa. So everyone, so it just barely come on cracked down. that list. But I think it was a strong <laughs> Although you said strong. you clarified that by saying in the Midwest. So this isn't a diss against the Midwest, because wow. the, mid- the Midwest has moments. It has great, there are some very fantastic places. I love Chicago. I love Milwaukee, St. Louis, Kansas City. Those are all fantastic cities. It kind of drops off from there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Minneapolis, I throw <laughs> Minneapolis in there too, obviously. But um, sure. but no, that's no. I don't want to take anything away from Fort Wayne. I'm trying to be a happier, more joyful, optimistic well, person late. in 2020. So that's exciting. Well, I think this will come truly full circle once we all record together in the. That's same true. Room. I was thinking that actually after I said that, like we've now recorded in various pairings, but never have we recorded the yeah. three of us in one room together. So. Perhaps that can happen in 2020. 2020 resolutions. Let's try to record together. I like it. Well, I hope you enjoy the the City of Forts. We're going to come back to that in a second. First, I want to make sure I I intro this episode properly, as I neglected to do last time. Today, y'all, we are talking about pornography. And this is exciting because, well, I don't know if it's exciting for... Jacob and Ryan. It's exciting for me because this is a this is a classic episode. We are going back to the well. We're going back to the pornographic well, metaphorically speaking, of course. And uh, we're talking about a, a mm. thing that we talked about in our, our original batch of episodes, 
And we're going to redo it and, and talk about it in, in more depth with new perspectives and new stories this time. And uh, I'm excited to just kind of see, see where this goes. Now that we're recording twice a month, if you missed that announcement last time, I recognize that probably, if I had to bet, probably a lot of people either currently or in the near to far future will be listening to this episode. And this episode will be their first Your Other Brothers podcast that they listen to inevitably because mm-hmm. of the title. And that's just the way things go. If you see a list of titles, if you see a list of titles and you see mentors, um, community, and pornography, which one are you going to listen to first? <laughs> a lot of people are going to listen to this one first. So I recognize that as we go into this episode. Um, but yeah, starting starting in the last episode and throughout the rest of this year, we're doing two episodes a month now. And with that opportunity of recording more frequently, we're going to, it's just like gives us more options. Like we can talk about new things. We can return to the well and talk about some of our classic episodes that we used to talk about. And um, we have this poll in the Yabbers group that we let our, our listeners and supporters vote on topics as well. Um, we featured some guests in the last several episodes. So I think it'll be awesome in the next uh, year to come, year plus to come. Uh, if we're recording twice a month, there's just more options of things we can do. So I'm excited to just kind of diversify and, uh, and yeah, see where this road takes us this year. So that is coming soon. You will not want to miss our pornographic discussion. Stay tuned. <laughs> but first, real quick, I wanted to g- jump back to the to the guys in the city of forts. What have y'all done? Have y'all done anything exciting? Ryan, have you seen the fort? Like the fort? No. Um, oh, well. I have not seen the fort yet. We have the rest of the afternoon ahead okay. of us after, mm-hmm. after we finish recording here. I did na- meet um, Jacob's old roommate, ah. who I feel like he's discussed on this show before. Yeah. I think so. And we hung out with with them. It snowed last night, which was very exciting. I was wondering exciting. if it snowed. Because mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen snow. I haven't seen snow since like last December. So it's, it had been more than a year. Um, and it was it was nice for very it to nice. snow. Yep. And we we actually did drive past the old fort last night, which I completely forgot to point out. Though it was also snowing-ish and dark. And so it wasn't a whole lot to see. But yes, we might... Uh, might go look at that. Um, we did go to a very uh, quaint hole in the wall Asian fusion Burmese uh, restaurant last Whoa. night. So mm-hmm. that was an experience because that is, I and mean, it was excellent food, mm-hmm. but it is, um, it's both like a very, um, yeah, it's a, it, it is the perfect example of hole in the wall in a part of town that's also not mm-hmm. great. So. <laughs> Exciting. That was, How many that was Asian fun. fusion yeah. Burmese people were working at said establishment? That is my main. Well, we only ever interacted with our waitress, who I believe was she was something, okay, uh, Burmese. Um, so uh, Fort Wayne actually has a, a large uh, uh, Burmese interesting population. I don't think I knew that. Fun, a fun yeah. fact of the fort. Yeah, I've been there like I don't know four or five times now. I never knew that. I mean, I'm, I've been hiding them from, <laughs> from you. Cool. Well, I hope y'all enjoy the snow, enjoy the old fort, enjoy, yeah, enjoy the time up there. And like I said, we'll need to, yeah, we'll need to coordinate. I don't know, like, should we, when we record together, should we be in the city of forts? Should we be in the city of oaks? Should we be in the jewel of the Blue Ridge? Should we be rogue somewhere randomly? That's something to think about. Ooh, I if, uh, if yes if we're able to vote on this I vote we go to Florida 
And we do Ugh. like a little weekend. Oh, stop your ugging about I'm sorry. Florida. I don't Florida want to is one of our most you're listened there to more states. than I me. Need to be kind to Florida. We love Florida. We yeah, love Bermuda right. shorts See? and humidity. Yay. Absolutely. But like if if we're there in like I was gonna say, can we time this? Can we time March? this for That's like a time? Of course. Cold, of course. Cold yeah. Month. I don't wanna I don't wanna be there no. in June. No, mm. definitely not. Especially it's just like when you record, you have to be considerate of just like the temperature and so you can't have air conditioning blowing you can't have heaters running you can't have refrigerators humming Mm -hmm. it's like being in the middle Mm -hmm. of a room in june in florida sounds horrendous to me to record so i'm glad i'm glad we've already got that out of the way understood i'm gonna pray about that (laughs) (laughs) yes well y'all as we prepare to dive into this episode i wanted to read an apple podcast review it still takes a lot of effort, mental effort for me to say Apple Podcasts instead of iTunes. That's really bothersome to me. So anyway, we are on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify and like 17 other mediums. So, um, but yeah, we have over 100 ratings reviews on Apple Podcasts now. And I'm so, so grateful um, that this show, we've been doing it for a couple years now and apparently people still enjoy it. Like it'd be, it'd be really disheartening if people stopped rating and reviewing us a year ago, you know, it's like people are still there though. We're still discovering mm. new people and that's just really exciting. We have this one, uh, this five-star review from Luke and he says, blessed. That's the subject line. Um, and I love his story. It says after 10 years, which is a long time after 10 years of struggling with SSA and being sexually active for the last four years, God used Yab to facilitate a major spiritual breakthrough for me until recently. I had never told a single person in my real life about this hidden sin. Thanks to the vulnerability and the witness of Yab authors, I was able to finally confront this sin head on and start working through some of the underlying causes of it. My relationship with God has been so much richer after being open with fellow believers about my real struggles. I love having the podcast as a way to keep learning about SSA-related topics and to hear the stories and views of these brothers. Thank you for your dedication and openness. Wow. Thanks, Luke. Thank you, Luke. Um, so yeah, thank you, Luke. Thank you to everyone who takes the time. Like, um, obviously it helps our show. It helps the rankings. It helps people search us and find us. Um, but something I kind of neglect to say sometimes, and I'm just going to say it, like it also blesses us. Like I read that and I'm like, so encouraged and affirmed to keep doing this and to keep having these vulnerable conversations and to keep laughing and to keep like building this community, this camaraderie to have this place that people can go to. Um, I know for some of my favorite podcasts, like it feels like, I would hope that this is the feeling that translates. I think it is. I hope it is. But with some of my favorite podcasts, when I'm driving in the car or when I'm cooking in the kitchen or whatever, like I love that feeling that it feels like I'm just getting to sit in. Like I'm, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm listening to these guys tell their stories and it feels like I'm part of it, even though I'm not vocally saying anything. Um, and I love that feeling that it's like I'm in on something and I get to be a part of something even if I'm not like, like I said, vocally saying something. And so iTunes reviews, that's, I'm sorry, Apple podcast reviews. That's one way people can like say something. And then we also have our blog, of course, that people can comment. And we've had plenty of people over the years um, carry the conversation forward by, by commenting um, on our blog after the episode comes out. So uh, we love it. We love all of our listeners and all of our supporters who are part of this. And um, yeah, it's just one of the other motivations to do more episodes in 2020 is that hopefully it can connect and land with with even more people another way we build the community here at your other brothers is we have a patreon and patreon is a platform for content creators of all stripes and it's how yob still exists after all these years 
people have been pledging now for a couple of years now. And uh, the cool element of the Patreon is the community element, which was not something I was entirely familiar with when we started this thing. Um, but we have a secret Facebook group called the Yabbers. And a lot of the questions you're going to hear today, they ask some really good questions about pornography. Um, we rely on our Yabbers to kind of help uh, spark a lot of the content and, and the discussion that we have here. And, um, and beyond the Facebook group, where a lot of good um, discussion and community happens, we also do these monthly Zoom rooms, which are these group video calls. Those have been really excellent lately. These last few months of Zoom rooms have just been super deep, super vulnerable. Um, they're getting larger week to week, month to month. So there's a lot of cool things happening on Patreon, more than just like pledging money and making this thing continue to happen month after month. There's a lot of community happening behind the scenes. And so if any of that is intriguing to you and... Um, yeah, it just sounds interesting or you want to learn more information, I'm always available. I never like broadcast my email, but tom at yourotherbrothers.com. And I'm sure Jacob and Ryan, they'd love to hear from you too. Jacob and Ryan. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. Jacob and Ryan sure. at yourotherbrothers.com, but separately, Jacob <laughs> at yourotherbrothers and Ryan at yourotherbrothers.com. Um, yeah, feel free to shoot us an email um, or or the podcast email as well, podcast at yourotherbrothers.com. We love hearing from our listeners. If you have any questions about anything, if you have suggestions, um, yeah, feel free to reach out to us. It's always a joy to to hear from people in Florida or otherwise. Which I think that uh, because of your last comments, you just lost all of our <laughs> They turned it off. Yeah, as soon as so they heard me. It was really nice to have you all As soon as they heard me rag here, on the community, which yep, nobody just does. Just anger. They just checked out. Correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're gone. We love Florida. He said with a wince. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, big shout out to our yobbers who are helping out with the content today. And also a big shout out to this episode's sponsor, Candy, because it's also not good for you. And Candy, like no mm. one wanted to sponsor this episode. Nobody wants to attach themselves to pornography. <laughs> Candy stepped right up. We'll do it. We'll fulfill we'll the gaps. Mm. We're horrible for your teeth. And we give you dopamine no and principles. wrong doses. Like, yep. yeah, we'll do that for you. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Candy, for... <laughs> drenching this episode with your <laughs> not goodness we appreciate you thank you candy for your complete lack of integrity not too proud i can appreciate that all right y'all so we're talking about pornography <laughs> jacob jacob Yay. you were like i'm just gonna i'm gonna let the listeners behind the veil a little bit i think you described our doing this episode as Something to the effect of might as well get it over with or might as well pull the Band-Aid off now or <laughs> something of that nature. Could Do you care yeah. to elaborate and comment on this? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So being being honest, because this is a safe place, to be honest, um, I did not want to talk about this topic. Um, it is, yeah, it's something that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I can say that in the time since it was announced, this is what we would be doing having some time to think think about it more and just kind of talk to people more about it. I realized that it's, it's, it's actually a really important thing for us to talk about and something that is um, too, too often kept secret and things like this when kept in secret only flourish. Mm-hmm. And so we, we don't want that to be the case. And so it feels actually meaningful and incredibly relevant to the culture in which we find ourselves and I am on board 
ready to go. Awesome. I love that you use the word flourish for pornography versus like fester. <laughs> Actually, yeah, or, that's um, a bit weird. I know. I'm sorry. I take it back. Can you can you just edit edit that to be some other word? Or if you actually um uh, uh bleep out the word flourish, it might have a a comedic a fun effect, effect to, or just like a really exaggerated it. pause with my voice trying to be your voice <laughs> that says fester yeah. or something. Yeah. Fester. Ryan, what are your thoughts on recording this episode? I don't know if I recall your immediate reactions. Because I like to, like, you know, text with y'all, kind of see what you're feeling, if you're up for feeling about talking about this. And that goes for the other co-hosts as well when they come on. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I was curious if you had any gut reactions to it. Or you're like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll talk about that. That was pretty much my reaction of like, oh, yeah, okay, let's talk about this. I think there's some part of me that feels like, oh, pornography is, like, a lot of people mm-hmm. are talking about pornography and I sometimes struggle to feel like I have anything new or interesting to bring to the table. But I think that from our perspective as gay or same-sex attracted men, like we can bring a different perspective to the conversation than most of us have grown used to in the churches we grew up in. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. I think I wrestle with that duality too, that it's just like such an oversaturated topic. Like we all know it's bad or we're going to get into that actually um, because some people do not. But it's just like, what else do we have to say about it? Like it's such a a common thing Mm -hmm. now. And yet, like Jacob was saying, it's something that can fester. It's something that can stay hidden. Um, It's kind of, it has, sometimes it has this illusion of we talk about it a lot, but do we actually, do we actually get specific about it? Do we actually you know, dig a little deeper than, you know, something that causes us to maybe wince a little bit or squirm a little bit, um, not in a provocative way, but just in a truly self-examining way before ourselves, before God. Like, I don't think we do. At least I don't. I don't think I do. And so, um, so yeah, I'm going to, we're going to get into, I don't want to like get too deep right away because I want to lay some foundation here before we get too deep. But, but that's kind of where I'm coming from as well. A sense of we've done this before, but we also haven't, and we don't do it enough but I don't want to just have every episode always be talking about pornography. So it's just like a, it's, it's a lot of things to weigh and balance. But I'm excited to dive into this conversation with you guys because mm-hmm. I've never had this conversation with you guys. So curious to see where it leads. And I think like one of my hopes is that even though I would ag- agree with both of you that this is a pretty common topic that lots of people are talking about, it's also talked about really poorly in a lot of contexts. And so mm. one of my hopes is that we can in some some ways elevate the conversation or give hopefully some nuance to the conversation and um, and do it well. Absolutely. Okay, so as I was preparing for this episode, I really wanted to lay a foundation with some statistics and some more just like, you know, concrete information like pornography. What is it? How rampant is it? What does it do? Um, There's a website that is called enough.org and they gathered a lot of stats from different studies and surveys. And um, there's some things that I plucked out of that that I found really interesting. one of their studies said, so I'm not going to reference the porn, the pornography site because I wouldn't do that, but they referenced one particular <laughs> pornography site and in their study and trying to like gather information. Um, something that I found fascinating in this like 21st century, it feels cliche to say 21st century now because I feel like technology has changed so much in even 20 years. Um, but in today's 21st century, 80% of pornography visits and views 
are now coming from smartphones and tablets. People aren't watching as much on their computers anymore, which is interesting to me that there's been that radical a shift. I would have assumed that, yeah, a lot of people watch on their phones, but 80% is a very surprising and significant number because it's just so accessible. Yeah. Hmm. Additionally, one in six people admitted, and I love that phrase because they admitted, so it makes me believe that the number is actually higher, but it said one in six people have admitted using public Wi-Fi to view pornography. So that's hotels, that's workplaces, that's airports, um, cafes and restaurants, that sort of thing. Um, so that's also surprising that even that many people, I assume it would actually be higher because only one in six actually admitted it. Mm-hmm. But let's say it's two in six. Let's say, let's say it's half. Like that is so many people watching in a public place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll raise my hand and say, I've done that. I've done, I've done go to the corner of the coffee shop so no one can see. And then I can look at whatever I want. So I will, I will place, place myself in the one in six. Um, more than four in 10 Americans, about 43%. Now say pornography is morally acceptable, which is a seven percentage point jump from the previous year. Um, And that number trends with Christianity as well. Something that I, um, yeah, I don't know. It just really took me off guard. I've just always been trained, I guess, growing up as a good Christian kid. Like you grow up hearing like, oh no, pornography is bad. Don't do it. It's not good. God doesn't like it. Even if you remove God from the equation, it's like shameful and degrading and not appropriate. It's not healthy, whatever. Um, but there's an increasing mm-hmm. trend towards sex positivity. Um, and there's actually a popular Christian podcast um, that did an episode on pornography. And it was a learning experience, I will say. I was, I was leery of listening to it because I didn't know what it would stir up in me as I listened to it of people basically promoting pornography for whatever purposes, um, for, the, for the purpose of sex positivity, which is essentially this attitude that human sexuality uh, in human sexuality, all consensual sexual activities are fundamentally healthy. Um, it encourages sexual pleasure and experimentation in like a healthy way. Um, that's a new trend that's happening across the board in Christianity as well. And so, mm. um, I don't know, it, it plucked some things in me as I was considering like, could I watch pornography and it be morally acceptable? Like, I can't, I don't know how to get there. I've, I've heard the arguments, I've heard some stories, and that's been good for me just to like enrich my understanding of how people interact with this but it's still kind of uh in my opinion is troubling but i don't know i don't know if that if you if you guys have any immediate thoughts to that but uh but that's kind of another thing to be aware of as we have this conversation yeah i would say that is certainly disheartening um i think also i could see how it being um sort of a response to some of the purity culture in the church in that um, in some Christian circles, it's almost taught that sex, that all of sex is, is wrong and ugly and gross and you shouldn't ever want it um, up until the point that you get married and then you have to flip mm. the switch and say that, no, this is, this is good and right and um, a beautiful thing. And so I could see that trend is, um, I think a very generous view of that would be sort of an overcorrection of um, mm-hmm. some of the issues with, um, yeah, with just looking at all of sexuality as like a, a gross thing that we should never talk about or feel good about or mm. any of that. Yeah, I think it's probably, 
sex positivity is probably better than sex negativity, sure. depending on depending on your definitions of of all that. But also, I think there really needs to be room for more nuance in this conversation between either uh, pornography is good, or or you're a complete and total prude and sexually yeah. repressed. Mm -hmm. Like I think. Um, I think there's I think there's room for a better a better way than either yeah. either of those. Mm -hmm. And I, I think also like the the first thing that comes to mind is that in in a in a pretty extreme view of sex positivity does um do things like sexual immorality and or lust do do those exist in that worldview or are they just re redefined so that um they don't include a consensual sexual expression. Those are just things that I would yeah. want to ask. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a conversation. I don't want to like dwell too too long on this, but um, but yeah, I think that's another conversation worth having. Like, what is what is sex positivity? I kind of like the idea of delving down that road someday and seeing what what that is because you ask different people. Like, I agree with Ryan. Sex positivity would be far better on paper than sex negativity. Mm -hmm. But if we actually define that, what is what does that mean? What does that look like? And for me personally, like I can't divorce lust from pornography. I don't know if other people do. I don't know if they care yeah. or they don't care, but, um, but that's something that I just wouldn't be able to, to make this, the switch to in a, in a genuine way. And then kind of the, the last thing I wanted to do before I segue into another, another fun rabbit hole of stats and, um, information is that pornography is changing. We already talked about, I mentioned how it's changing to be more mobile and more connectable, um, a lot more websites are making their sites or portions of their sites free. And so there's like all kinds of just free access to different things to kind of, to wet your whistle and to, that's probably not the right. <laughs> we'll edit, we might edit I that just, out. I just cringed. <laughs> too, too much of a reaction on my screen and in my soul. Um, pornography is changing though. Um, extreme content is becoming the new norm. 88% of the top rated scenes and videos online featured some form of physical or verbal aggression. And this is becoming, I mean, we'll talk about it as I, as I talk about the brain and I talk about um, what happens when you, when you do anything that's addictive or do anything that sparks do dopamine is that eventually whatever you did before is no longer enough. There needs to be something else. There needs to be an escalation. There needs to be a novelty, something new. And I see that only going, continuing to go that way because that's just the way human brains are wired. We get, we get bored. We want something new. We want something a little more, something pushed a little more. And so, um, it's just interesting to see. And I can, I can echo that in my life. Like the things that I've watched, you know, recently compared to what, when I first started watching, I'll talk about that, I guess. Um, that was 13, 14 years ago. Um, like so night and day, it's so different and, um, it's convicting, it's humbling. And, um, but it's something that, yeah, I just want to confront more and, and talk about more. Um, so there's an awesome organization called Fight the New Drug. A lot of guys in our community have been benefited by them. They do a lot of awesome research and awareness about porn use and what it does to the brain, to the heart, and how it affects the world, essentially, how it affects us, how it affects those around us. Um, so I'm going to post a link in the show notes on the episode page to an awesome study in PDF, and it's just like a huge collection of facts and figures, um, studies that they've done over the years. It's fairly lengthy, but it's my hope that this is very informative. It was for me. Um, and I've done a lot of work. I've talked about it on the show. I've done a lot of work in, therape in therapeutic environments working with youth. 
um, working with youth primarily the last few years that I was working with youth, working with them in a recovery environment. So these are kids, teenagers who experienced substance abuse, whether it was drugs or alcohol. Um, and so I learned a lot as a mentor and as, as a person working in that environment about the effects of the brain, about the effects of dopamine, about um, rewiring of the brain, all of that stuff. And it was really crazy because even though I've never struggled with drug and alcohol abuse, um, it was kind of like I almost felt like a spotlight was still shining on me as I'm listening to things and hearing about things and learning things that directly, like directly correlate with pornography, with other web habits. Um, it's just scary, the, the similarities and um, how much it matches up. So, um, so yeah, I just wanted to read some of the, some of the findings that uh, Fight the New Drug has, has done about the brain. So starting off, all mammals have essentially the same reward center in their brain. To steer us toward things that will help us, the reward center uses two different pleasure systems, one that excites and another that satisfies. The first system motivates us to go after things, and it's largely fueled by dopamine. The second system makes us feel satisfied and happy after accomplishing something. It's run by endorphins. Pornography activates both of the reward center's pleasure systems, but the wanting system is stronger than the satisfying system. Porn hyperactivates our wanting system, pumping out dopamine in response to each new image. As a result, the user can get caught in a loop of wanting, using, pumping out a bunch of dopamine in response to new images found while using and then wanting even more. I want to stop right there for a second. Do y'all resonate at all with the concept? I don't know if this is an Enneagram 4 thing. I don't know if it's a human thing or a male thing. I don't know what it is. For me, the thrill of pornography, and I put thrill like in quotation marks. Do y'all hear the air quotes in the, mm -hmm. in the sound waves? Um, the, thr but the thrill of pornography for me isn't necessarily the image itself, isn't necessarily the video. It's like the hunt for it. It's the thrill of like chasing something mm -hmm. that I haven't seen before or something that I have seen before that I want to see again. It's like that anticipation. They say anticipation is the purest form of pleasure. And I feel that so significantly mm -hmm. with porn. I don't know. Does that match up with y'all, y'all's experience or no? Yeah. The novelty and kind of the, the rush of finding, finding the new images. And then it's like, it's like when I'm in that space, I don't, even like spend very long in one, you know, uh, uh, on one image. Mm -hmm. Really, it's like just flipping, flipping almost as fast as I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would. I think that the the real pleasure, as you said, is is found in the anticipation and the eroticism, and actually, that is that is desired more than than. A climax or a mm -hmm. actually finishing. Yeah. And then, uh, so going on from there, um, this reward center drives us to pursue things that improve our chances of survival and the survival of our genes, including food, sex, love, and novelty. So like in general, it's not like, I think there's a, there's a tendency, like for me, actually the last few years of learning about dopamine, it always has this like negative connotation to it that, Oh God, no, no more dopamine. Dopamine is not good. Dopamine does <laughs> makes me do awful things. But dopamine, it's like wired into our beings, like it's there to help us do the things that we need to do to survive. And so again, it's getting food, it's working out, it's whatever. It's like, obviously we're, we're warping this desire. If we believe pornography is not morally acceptable, then we're warping it in a way that isn't ultimately healthy for us. But the core of it is like, we're craving this thing that we wanna, we wanna be driven to, uh, to succeed, to be safe and to thrive. 
um, talking more about dopamine, uh, dopamine helps rewire the brain so that we remember the things we need for survival. Dopamine encourages us to seek and search for things that bring us pleasure. Dopamine levels increase when we encounter something novel. Dopamine levels increase when something is surprising. Dopamine levels increase when something produces anxiety. Dopamine levels go up in response to, some, to seeking something. And they go on to say, research has found that novelty and expecting a reward amplify each other to increase excitement and rewire the brain's reward circuitry. Fantasizing or imagining doing something activates many of the same brain circuits as actually doing it, which is interesting because as someone who has, and I've, been, I've always been vulnerable about this, like on my blog, on the podcast, I've never had sex, I've never had a desire to have sex, but kind of like this, I have this like... Um, voyeurism? Yeah, like voyeurism, um, living vicariously through something on my screen if I don't have much desire for it, if any desire for it in my actual life with another flesh and blood human next to me, like there is some sort of thrill that comes, I guess, or some sort of fulfillment, again, air quotes, um, that comes with witnessing it on the screen. It's that, that sense of like, okay, it's like fantasizing about it and witnessing it is, it produces the same response as if I would have done it, if I, if I wanted to do it in person. I found that very fascinating. Mm. Your brain is like, you're not, you're never like consciously thinking this. Maybe sometimes you do, but it's like you do something that triggers all this dopamine that floods you with all these endorphins. It was this pleasurable experience on some carnal, basic bodily level, physiological level. And so your brain then stores that away. It's like, okay, I'll remember that for next time when I'm feeling whatever I was feeling um, to like Mm -hmm. pursue that. Um, and something, cause I know we have younger listeners too. Like I, you know, we hear not all the time, but we hear semi-frequently from like 15, 16, 17, 18 year old people who listen to our show, um, who, who follow our website. Um, something that a lot of people aren't aware of is that the brain is forming well through your teenage years, even into your twenties. It doesn't really fully form, um, until you're in your mid twenties, essentially, And as such, teens, Mm -hmm. um, the study goes on to say, teens are more sensitive to to dopamine. Um, The adolescent brain prunes back neural circuitry by adulthood to make responses more efficient. This process makes it more difficult for them to choose things other than the patterns they've set when they've reached full adulthood. Over time, the reward center's dopamine receptors will shrink in response to chronic overstimulation. With a dulled reward center, a person can't feel the dopamine's effects as well, and as a result, the porn they've been using can stop producing the same excitement they used to feel about it. As a result, many go in search of more hardcore material to get a bigger dopamine burst. And so, like, I'll chime in a little bit with my more of my perspective working at this school. On the one hand, I couldn't relate with kids who were addicted to alcohol and drugs and who had a hard time dealing with that in an environment where they couldn't ha- have those things. On the one hand, I'm like, you know, I don't get it. I don't get what it's like to want those things. On the other hand, man, I learned so much empathy and patience, um, a lot of humility too, and I examined my own heart and my own struggles and everything because I can only imagine if I had discovered like the stuff that I discovered post-19 and into my 20s and into my 30s, if I discovered that when I was like 8 years old or 11 years old, 12 years old, and used it regularly and regularly as my brain was forming, as my brain is learning pathways and, and forming circuits like to have that be a part of my like physiological being more than just a spiritual thing. I'm not neglecting the spiritual at all, but for it to be like almost literally hardwired into me, um, as a teenager, as an adolescent, like that is so 
disheartening to me. And I, I'm grateful that the struggles I have aren't nearly what other people have to deal with, whether it's drug and alcohol or pornography for that matter. But, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. just like when you start to learn more and more about this stuff, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, it's not just like, I don't know. I used to think about pornography so shallowly, like, Oh, it's just something that I look on the screen and it makes me feel these things. And then I shut the screen and then I move about my day. But like things are happening inside of me, sparks are going and things are rewiring. And it's, it's crazy to think about when you start learning more about it. And so then to close out this whole little deep dive into the brain, also into the heart, I wanted to read something else that kind of makes a segue from the brain to the heart. Um, and I love how they, they described um, what's happening when, when you experience pornography addiction. Um, they say, we learn better, we being humanity. We learn better using images than words because images carry more information in a more compact form. Words are often perceived as opinions while images are often perceived as events or facts. We argue in our head against words or opinions, but much less so against events or facts, particularly images. And the vast majority of pornography is visual. And so that resonates with me on a deep level because I do that all the time. I mean, they are talking, they said it right there. We argue in our head against words or opinions. Y'all could tell me you love me and I'm going to argue with myself and say, no, they don't. They don't know like the depths of my depravity and they don't know this. And I'm going to argue against, um, you know, very well intentioned and truth speaking people in my life because that's who I am. That's I'll speak for myself and I'm sure many people listening, if not everyone can resonate with that. But I get that so much that words and opinions, those are something that can be argued against, but you see something on a screen, it's concrete, it's there, it's visually stimulating. Um, there's something that feels more solid about that. Um, and that's something that as I was reading through all of their excellent material today, that was something that just really stood out to me as, uh, something that I need to work on. I need to stop arguing against people speaking truth and love into my life. And I need to treat that with the same reverence and the same solidity as I do these images and these videos. So with all that being said, now that the groundwork has been laid, y'all, I want to ask you, what is pornography? (laughs) I was thinking maybe we should have started with that question, but I kind of like the idea that we've set it up as like, okay, all these things are happening to the brain, to your heart, how it interacts with you, how it interacts with the people around you. But like, let's try to like dive into it now. Like what, do y'all have any ideas or or, uh, definitions or things that you would use to describe this, this thing that we're even talking about? Well, Jacob and I have been talking a lot uh, in the past two days about a quote that we're both familiar with, but are having a hard time finding a, a, an accurate or good source for, which is that don't don't ask me to define pornography. I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> um, we think it, well, I thought it was some president, some U.S. president said that. We looked it up and we have something very similar, but much more wordy from <laughs> a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, interesting. Um, we're still working on a source there, but um, but I think there's there's a measure of truth to that where pornography, like if you ask, okay, what's the difference between pornography and say art? Mm. Um, like a, a lot of the answer really is probably in what it what it does to you, what it does to your brain, and, and how you experience it. And so I think that's something that does make pornography kind of tricky, where something that is pornographic to me uh, is not going to kind of trigger the same things in another person Uh necessarily. And so I think Mm -hmm. maybe 
I, I want to say part of the definition, it's almost a little bit backwards of like, we define, we can't really define porn by its content, but we uh, define porn by its effects or, or what, um, mm -hmm. what it leads to almost. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it kind of connects to the things that you were talking about with the human brain is that um, like you could almost, uh, you could almost attempt to define porn by um, what it does to you, which as Ryan said, will be different from person to person. Um, I actually sort of, um, as a slight pushback against the question as a whole, um, I'm not a big fan of the question of what is porn, probably because I hear it most often in the context of you begin with the assumption or the uh, statement that porn is bad or uh, porn is sin. And then you are, you're asking the question and you're required to, to define what porn is so that you can draw a line of like, oh, like watching this or lo looking at this is sin. Mm -hmm. But like, because mm -hmm. I can, I can uh, define this other thing as being not porn, then that's, then that's good for you. And so I, I don't think it really gets at more of the heart uh, questions and motivations behind why we turn to pornographic things to where I sort of find the question semi-pointless uh, of like, like what, what, does, what does that actually get us if we can define what porn is? Because like lots of lots of people will uh, 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 point out that like well, por pornography as we know it today isn't mentioned in the Bible, so we don't really have mm. to like think about it or worry about it. Yeah, Ryan, as you're mentioning like art, the, this like divide between art and pornography. There's like the intent of the creator, and then there's the intent of the audience. And like, mm -hmm. like, I'm sure there are some people who, who, I mean, there must be, right. There must be people who look at naked renderings, whether it's statues, whether it's portraits, whether it's whatever photographs, you know, those could have been created with no ill intent whatsoever. It's to like show human, the beauty of the human body. Right. But then there's absolutely people who are looking mm -hmm. at those with pornographic intent. I have, mm -hmm. <laughs> So like, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's weird. Cause it's, then it's like, is that, is it just always pornography? Is, is it subjective? Is it, does it depend on the person? Like, yeah, it is kind of nebulous. Like what, what is it? You know it when you see it, it's more mm -hmm. of a heart issue than I think, yeah. uh, like laid out bulleted points. Like this is what it is and this is what it looks like. Sure. And this might be a thing that you're going to bring up later, but, um, I believe that we, we get the word porn from the Greek word pornania which is i think in how it's used in scripture is most often translated as a pretty uh, overarching category that's is is kind of vague in, in even how it's used that is it is meant to sort of capture a lot of different things and so it makes sense that um that's also why we kind of struggle with actually having a concrete definition of what yeah. it is yeah as I was trying to come up with a definition for myself 
because I could have Googled it. I could have, I'm, I'm thankful for the etymology though. Like that's, that's fun. That's helpful. I was trying to get like a non like biased definition for myself. And as I was thinking about it, really what it came down to for me, it's like, there's a fine line between admiration and objectification mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. There's a line between admiring a man and I'm being like, wow, like God made him so nice <laughs> versus <laughs> the objectification. Like how can I use that for my pleasure and my gratification, which is what porn usage mm -hmm. does. And, um, and I've always struggled with this term, putting words to it because, you know, and I've, I've talked about this, I've blogged about this, like for the longest time, softcore pornography was the only thing I was ever drawn to. Um, and as the years has gone by, soft isn't as soft anymore. Like I, I'm still not drawn to the hardest hardcore pornography that's out there. Um, thankfully, but um, but the soft core has gotten a little harder over the years, I will say. And, um, no pun intended. And thank you. And I, uh, yeah, it's just, it always comes down to the heart issue of like, what am, what am I trying to get out of this? Like, like, yes, there's an admiration aspect that I find this attractive or I find this alluring, but it's also this, this very selfish feeling that I'm using this person to gratify myself. They don't know who I am. I'm never going to speak to this person we have no relationship. There's no real intimacy here. It's all a facade. Um, and that was something else. If you, if you read more about the fight, the new drug study and PDF that they put out, like they talk a lot about intimacy and how it warps someone's sense of intimacy. The more mm -hmm. addicted you grow to these false relationships, like mm -hmm. why invest in real ones if you have all of these false ones to collect and, and build on. So, um, so that for me is what, how I have come to define it. It's not necessarily, whether there's a penis or not. Like, it's like, is this person being used for my pleasure? Am I like basically gorging on their masculinity? One of our, one of our authors, Eugene, he talked about this, the sense of like being a vampire to like absorb others, others masculinity, which mm -hmm. I resonate with. I'm sure a lot of people can, can resonate too. So, um, so that's how I've come to approach it over the years versus any kind of like, yeah, bulleted it's this, this, and this. So here's a question. So then if you see like a picture or a video of two fully clothed men hugging in a completely chaste way, but it fills you with this sense of like, um, this sense of like inclusion into this kind of intimate moment that is appealing or, or, or satisfying in some way, like, is that, is that pornographic? So I'm trying to understand the question. So like I see two guys hugging, they're clothed, presumably good looking, attractive, mm -hmm. but fully clothed and they're hugging. I don't see it as pornographic if I'm like either A, admiring it or B, or B on the other side of that feeling. I don't know. I guess I'm having a hard time understanding like how do I feel included? Because as you described that, I feel left out. <laughs> I'm like, but I'm not being hugged. So how, okay. how is that? I'm not objectifying <laughs> them. I just feel not part of that. So I, I don't, I don't feel a pornographic okay. response to that. I don't know if you do. That answers my question. Thank you. I, I don't know. I think, I think there are times that I've been drawn to seek out those kinds of images and it feels a little like the draw to porn, although it's not it's not the same like Russian payoff, but it's like, well, if I'm not going to let myself look at porn, what about, what about this? I yeah. guess. I mean, I've 
full disclosure, I don't want to get so specific as far as what I've watched or anything, because I don't think that's productive or helpful, but like to take it a little step further beyond hugging, like, so two guys kissing or two guys making out, that's something that I have uh-huh. gone to. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's something where it's now become objectified. And I put myself, I guess the hug, I don't really resonate with, but full disclosure, I've never been kissed. I've never kissed. Like that's something I guess that fills me with that sense of inclusion or participation by watching, by voyeurism, by living vicariously mm-hmm. through an image or a video on a screen like that. I, I can totally get that like a pornographic mm-hmm. intent that again, it's like not the worst thing I could look at, but it's also not really good for me. It's not good for sure. my heart. I feel convicted after and during, <laughs> but uh, I get that. That's, that's what I think is the most imp- important piece in that question is actually understanding and being introspective in terms of what is this doing to my heart is this Mm -hmm. encouraging me to love people well is this um is this uh building and um working towards the good of the of the intimacy that i have with, with other people and with jesus like or rather than being able to figure out like is watching two men hugging or two men kissing is that porn or not but rather looking at like what is what are the effects of what this is actually doing Uh to me and um why do I find myself longing for this and that's that's going to look that's going to look different from person to person yeah the skill of like self-awareness and introspection is I'm learning comes more naturally to me than others and I'm very grateful for that because when I took strengths finder you know we don't, we don't talk about Strengths Finder enough. We talk a bunch about Enneagram. But um, both times, I've done uh, Strengths Finder two times now, and both times I've taken an introspection, or not introspection, um, in election, that's what it is. In election has come up both times, and it's, the, it's defined as thinking about thinking. So it's basically thinking about why do I think that, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's asking a why about everything. And that is such an important strength to hone. If you already have it, like you are blessed to have it and to understand have more of a desire and an eight and an eight um understanding of why you do the things that you do um and for me going to counseling that's another way to build that mm-hmm. um that strength is to keep asking why 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 am i drawn to this why do i want this why do i do this um and that's something that i hope to to process more because we had a lot of questions from the yabbers we're about to get to those in a second but um a few questions went went along the lines of like um like do you know can you predict are you, can you predict when you're triggered? You know, we all, we're familiar with the halts trigger, hungry. What is it? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, Tired. stressed. So like, if you're, if you're feeling those things, that's like, okay, step one, you, you can predict maybe when you're more susceptible to, to Mm -hmm. temptation. But then, um, but then beyond that, like when you're actually Googling things, when you're actually searching things, like what are you searching for and why, like, why are you looking for those specific terms? Um, Yeah. I'm curious if y'all have given much thought to that. And this is like, I'll admit, like this is not something where I'm about to get specific and I don't want you guys to get specific either because the this is where I start to get a little, um, I guess, scared. That's probably a vulnerable word to use because I'm pretty open otherwise. Like you read my blogs, you go on the podcast, like I'm pretty mm-hmm. vulnerable um, about a lot of things, but the concept of what I'm turned on by and why I do the things that I do, that starts to get even even in a territory that I've only briefly started getting into in counseling, like that's still something that's very difficult for me to approach, even just personally, let alone with hundreds and thousands of listeners. So um, 
but I'm curious just on a baseline, like, have y'all, have y'all given thought to that? Like, why, why are you attracted to the things that you are? Why do you seek out, um, inappropriate things the way that you do? Yeah. I think the first thing that comes to mind is that I have seen in my own life, how the use of porn kind of becomes like the use of alcohol in the sense of using it to numb pain Mm. that if there's um something happening in my life that feels overwhelming or unmanageable of um especially when it comes to more like relational emotional things to where if i'm in feeling if i'm feeling intense disconnect with a person who i love then um turning to porn can be a way to experience a very uh, pseudo and surface connection. So there's that connection piece that I'm longing for, but also it has um, probably due to the chemistry in the brain, like you talked about, has a numbing effect to pain and it kind of, you're able to shove pain into the background and put something exciting and that causes that surge of dopamine in the foreground yeah i think loneliness is the big trigger for me out of those five i think what is um appealing to me in pornography is the sense of um and i I don't think this is going too far i'm more likely to look at images involving just one person rather than like two people having Mm -hmm. sex or interacting because what's appealing to me is the feeling of being accepted or welcomed or included into this vulnerable space, which is what I want when I'm feeling lonely. Um, And that's why I mentioned kind of that sense of inclusion earlier. Um, And, and so, yeah, I think for me, like that, that struggle with pornography is very much connected to uh, the quest, the, the, longing for intimacy and um and so that's gonna that's gonna be the hardest when i'm feeling lonely mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think loneliness is a popular <laughs> it's a popular trigger for a lot of people and i can definitely resonate with that too i think more than loneliness it's a sense of boredom i don't know that's not part of halt does that fit into something h maybe hungry it's more of like a hungry like not hungry for food but hungry for life experience. I think this is the Enneagram seven wannabe in me. Like I want to experience everything. I want to be, I want to travel. I want to eat new food. I want to meet new people. I constantly want to have novelty. I think that's, I mean, that speaks to a human desire. It's not just a Mm -hmm. seven thing, but I think we're all drawn to novelty to a degree. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think for me, that's like when I'm tempted, like, yeah, I could be lonely. That's probably a contributing factor. Um, but it's all—it's always like more so a sense of boredom, a sense of like I'm just hungry. I'm I'm hungry for something new. Like I'm I'm sick of this standard, whatever the the baseline is around me. Like I want I want to deviate from that, and I want to have something different. And it's especially challenging. Like this is really hard for me, just even talking about this as somebody who um, is undoubtedly looked at in a leadership capacity in this community. Like. I have, you know, this is all part of my therapy and all part of my, like, my processing this chapter of my life because I don't feel like I've beaten everything. Like, I still struggle every day with temptation and 
and I feel like I should be further along than I am, mm-hmm. especially I already felt that way beyond before Yab even started. I always felt like I was not where I needed to be and that I should be further along than I am. But you add into the aspect that, oh yeah, I'm the host of this podcast and I edit a blog and, and, um, plan retreats and all that sort of thing. Like it feels like I should have beaten this already, or it shouldn't be a, an issue anymore. Um, that, that whatever's around me is good. And it is like, I have amazing friends in this community, a lot of financial support in this community, a lot of spiritual support in this community. So why, why, why this like need to deviate? Why this need mm-hmm. for this, like this novel secretive thing <laughs> in my life? Cause it's very mm-hmm. much still a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Which is, I actually really appreciate your courage that it takes to be uh, vulnerable because I think too, too often there's this idea of, yeah, you can talk about porn and that kind of sin struggle, but it always has to be in the, the past tense. That if you're, you right. know, if you're, if you're actually like currently fighting this, then we need you to be quiet until you have it uh, beaten and figured out. And then, then you can share how it's just, it's all be behind you and you'll never have to face it again. So Otherwise, it would be discouraging. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Right. So I think that only encourages people's silence because I think we would all agree that if this isn't something that we can talk about with people in an in an honest and present way, it's not something that we're going to see improvement in if we're just because this these are the things that fester in <laughs> secret and in mm-hmm and in dark places. And I appreciate y'all saying that and affirming that, <clears throat> even though the immediate inclination, once again, going back to the brain, my, my initial thought is like to argue against that and be like, no, no, but, but I should be further along. I should beat this. I should, it would only make my like testimony and my words about it, you know, all the more emphatic and all the stronger. If I, mm-hmm. if pornography was a thing of the past, if, if, uh, yeah, any other sexual temptation were things of the past. And this is now something I could promote from a place of, of triumph and victory. Like, um, mm-hmm. it's hard to just like, it's hard to hear the beauty of just like to be in process and to, mm. to be vulnerable about that. Um, but I appreciate, I appreciate that. Yeah. I have like in the last couple of years been actually kind of encouraged when it comes to the topic of pornography I'll explain. It encourages me because I no longer feel as icky or as shameful today than I did 10 years ago, 15 years ago when I first discovered pornography. Um, Because it's almost like, I mean, it's sad, but it's learning that it is so rampant and that it is everywhere and that men and women, for that matter, struggle with it. And you don't have to be gay. You don't have to have same-sex attraction to be like on this other sphere, on this other plane of struggle. Like, to hear from straight people who also struggle with pornography, maybe a different flavor of pornography, but they still struggle with pornography. Like it's been weirdly encouraging to me to feel not as isolated. Is that something y'all have thought about or no? <laughs> Cause I have certainly. I mean, I have experienced a lot of camaraderie in the sense that my, um, my, my brother is, very open in uh, talking about his journey with with porn. Yeah, when it came on, I think he mentioned it. He might have yeah, mentioned it a little it, bit when he was. Uh, he even had a, a chance at um, one of the churches that he was a part of to share more of his story in 
that area. And he's, he's been a huge encouragement to me of just um, someone who's been willing to talk openly about it. And yeah. And like knowing that's something that, that we fight together as opposed to being like, well, we're completely, it's completely different because he's straight and I'm not. Um, but, but rather like I, I do get the sense of that uh, camaraderie that is really helpful, as you said. Yeah, I, my struggle with porn has, has been real and has existed. Um, but if I'm honest, it hasn't been kind of like the number thing I've the number one thing I've had going on spiritually during my spiritual life, during my walk with Jesus. Like it's, it's been there, but that's not been kind of the primary place where I've felt all the shame or I've felt like, um, like this is kind of the, I don't know, the, the, the headliner experience of Mm -hmm. Jesus's uh, grace, like it's not, it's not the main theme, if you will. Like mm-hmm. Eve Tushnet, a lesbian Catholic writer that I like a lot, she she likes to talk about how, and she's a recovering alcoholic, and she likes to talk about how, like you'd think, her sexual orientation is kind of like the number one story of her life, kind of, but it's actually it's actually her alcoholism and her addiction, and that's where she's she really feels like she really feels like that's kind of the root or the, the main theme of her story with Jesus. And so I, I felt similar where like talking about pornography has been important to me and I have felt the shame around it, but it's not really, I haven't really experienced that. Um, like overcoming that shame hasn't really been kind of this key central theme that I spend a lot of time thinking about or, or, or worrying about. Mm-hmm. So to wind this conversation down, we had a lot of comments and questions from the yobbers about like, so what do we do? Like I have addictions, I have triggers. Maybe I know why I do what I do. Maybe I don't know why I do what I do. Um, but like, what's the, what's the cure? What's the fix? What's the, what does success look like? And so the concept of accountability came up a lot, accountability software, accountability relationships. Um, and I'm curious, I just wanted to hear um, as we wind this conversation down, I want to hear from y'all, like, how have you found success or how have you found triumph or victory? And maybe it's just been in stages and doses. Um, but I'm curious about, yeah, y'all's experience with accountability. Um, that's kind of a Christian buzzword that you might have a positive or negative connotation with, but like, yeah, what's, what does that look like in, in each of your lives? So two things come to mind, and and again, I'm sure everyone, I'm sure we're all on the same page with this, that, you know, there's not going to be one thing, one size fits all, it's going to be, this was helpful for me, maybe helpful for someone who's listening. Um, I use, I use Covenant Eyes, which is a, an online accountability program, and it monitors my internet usage, and um, reports it to my friend Adam, um, who presumably opens the emails every once in a while. Um, and the idea is that if he sees anything that um, that looks like it's bad for me, then he's going to then confront me about it. And so I'm less likely to get into trouble online because I know Adam might know about it later. Um, are there ways around it? Yes. 
Um, are they a lot of trouble? Usually, you know, I'm kind of a lazy person. So um, usually it's enough to... That nine energy. Coming yeah, <laughs> yeah. It helps every once in a while. Um, you know, like, is is a model of, like, active confession better than a model of accountability, accountable um, confrontation? Yes. Mm. Um, like, I always, if I stumble in that area, I always try to be an active confessor to Adam versus, um, versus like, well, if he doesn't say anything, then I've gotten away with it, you know? Um, Which I think a lot of guys struggle with that. Like I, I'll speak to myself. Like I do, like I have, I also have covenant eyes on my software and there's a sense of, can I get away with it? Can I find a workaround and then not mm -hmm. be confronted mm -hmm. about it? And instead of actively confessing, like I need, I personally would want to get more into an active mm -hmm. confession model mode. Um, mm -hmm. not to say that, yeah, the software isn't helpful cause it is, but, but I think, I think if you're just relying on software, then you're missing mm -hmm. something. Or yeah. if you're just relying on yeah. something to confront you, you're also missing something. Yeah. And so Covenant Eyes or any software, it's not perfect. It's far from perfect, but it's been super helpful for me. Um, I, I wouldn't like, I'm, I'm just going to keep using it, even though it's, it's been a while since I, looked at porn and like, I feel, I feel pretty good about where I'm at right now, but it's still just worth the, worth the monthly cost. The other thing I'll say is I think in the moments of, um, of looking at porn and kind of being in that, uh, in that place, eventually getting to the place where you're able to step back and take a little bit of an objective look at how you're feeling in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and seeing, I think for me, seeing that actually none of this is living up to what I had hoped it to be. Um, that in my moments of temptation, there's this tension inside of me that I didn't want to bear anymore. And the thing I told myself about porn was that, okay, if I, if I just give into this, then I'm going to be able to relax somehow. I'm going to be able to rest somehow from that tension of temptation. But actually, um, it does not, it is not restful. Um, it leads to even more complicated tensions, even more complicated feelings mm -hmm. that then I have to do even more work to work through and um and that's not really like what i want and so being mm -hmm. able to recognize that um being able to when i'm tempted remember those times where i like gave into that temptation and um and it actually like made my life harder mm -hmm. i think is helpful yeah. and kind of takes the take some of the um, the appeal out of it, I guess. And, and also like realizing as I was looking at porn, like none of these, none of these images are really what I want. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. like having that sense of disappointment that, um, that kind of sticks in my head that I, I always kind of go back to that sense of disappointment that like, yeah, I'm just going to feel that disappointment again. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that, and that that's sort of like adjacent to um, remembering that actually porn um, 
porn builds a wall between me and my friends and me and, and my community and me and God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that like, it doesn't really give me the life I want. It, it costs so much, mm-hmm. um, but doesn't give me anything good or helpful. Yeah. I think the big lie that I've had to confront over the years is that I can, um, that I can enjoy porn for lack of a better word. Um, I can enjoy temptation privately, secretly, by myself, no one's around, and then be able to just like flip a switch again and be back to mm-hmm. actively present in everyone's lives, actively, um, yeah, not not selfish, contributing to community, being a part of community, not only for myself, but for other people, like offering myself for them and, um, you know, and doing that. And it's, you know, sometimes I can play... I can play the facade well and sometimes I can't. Eventually the more I the more I like get in those those unhealthy patterns, the harder it is to like feel fully turned on and feel fully present because I just mm-hmm. inevitably just don't. I feel like I'm being fake, I'm not being genuine and um and ultimately that's robbing other people. That's then robbing other people of encouragement that I could be offering them, a presence in their lives that maybe they desperately need right now. And so it really is a big lie to think that you can you know, do anything that's not good for you, whether it's pornography or what have you, but to do that and then to, to say that it's not affecting anyone else mm-hmm. because, because it is. And especially, my gosh, if you're married, if you have kids, like that affects them all the more. Yeah, I resonate with, with, with all of that, what you've said. And I think that one of the biggest things that as I've just gotten older and have hopefully become more mature is that I have greater greater foresight of being able to feel those consequences before I'm actually having to live uh, through them. So just being able to basically like preach to myself during those moments of temptation and reminding myself of how I'm going to feel afterwards, reminding myself of how empty this, this uh, makes me, as uh, Ryan said, it does in a sense, put up a, a wall between me and other people, between me and God. And just, just knowing that like, I don't, like, I don't love people well after, after porn. I, um, I, I'm, I'm not me. I'm not actually like, I don't, I don't feel things the same way. Like I don't experience uh, beauty and joy and love with the same kind of intensity when I've given into porn. Um, but I think that when it comes to just hearing the word accountability, it sort of leaves a, a bad taste in my mouth only because the first thing that comes to mind is that I picture two men meeting once, once a week and one of them asks, did you watch porn? And he says, yeah. And the other one asks, did you watch porn and he says, yeah. And they both feel bad for a bit and say, well, I guess we're going to have to do better. Um, <laughs> which I know is, <laughs> is not how, uh, it's not how accountability is meant to work. And also I've, I know examples of, um, of, of it being done infinitely better, but I think there's a sense of um, being proactive that I think is crucial and, and, and actually asking those 
uh, questions of like, why am I, why am I doing this? What, what things am I, am I feeling? What, what am, what am I, I wanting? What are the things that porn is promising me mm-hmm. that it actually never follows through on? Mm-hmm. But what, what are the lies that I'm believing of what it's going to give me? And then start there and actually figure out more about all that you're thinking and feeling. As a church and as Christians, I think that having a a robust theology of purity is crucial because we can fight for purity for a lot of really shallow reasons. Reasons that can that can be true and good and helpful of like, well, if I don't watch porn, my marriage will be be uh, better. Or if I don't watch porn, I'll have better sex with my my wife, or if I don't watch porn, all other things for also single folks too, and just like uh, friendships and whatnot, um, which I think are, are good and true and right things to be thinking about. But if we don't have a, a real uh, depth of understanding about how, how a pursuit of purity connects to the gospel, I don't think that we're going to find long, long-term um, uh, freedom or more successful fights in the, in the war if we don't have a an incredibly firm foundation to stand on. You know, when we talk about what pornography does with our relation does to our relationship with God, I don't want to make the mistake of implying that um, that pornography threatens our relationship with God in the sense that after we look at porn, we're then in some sort of spiritual timeout Mm -hmm. where, um, where God doesn't want to hear from us or doesn't love us, or we have to work back into his good graces. I think when we talk about the wall between us and God, so to speak, uh, when we use porn, it, it is kind of an illusory wall, wall where we do have, I mean, I know I struggle with accepting, accepting the grace that God has to offer immediately like there's something that um like i almost have to put myself into that spiritual timeout for a little bit um and so you know i think about like the but at the same time like how much more beautiful would it be as as beautiful as the reconciliation is and the reality is that i don't need to do anything to earn my way back into god's good graces that my i'm already redeemed i'm already reconciled um, but how much more beautiful would it be to not need that, to drink deeply of what the Lord has to offer um, and not not turn away from him? Mm-hmm. You know, I think of the parable of the prodigal son where the, the prodigal son strays from the father and then is received um, with joyful open arms. And that's beautiful. Um, and the older son... Um, gets fussy about that and um and it's like well where's the fattened calf for me and the father says well you you had you could have had it the whole time like you weren't you weren't drinking deeply of what this family has to offer what this household Mm -hmm. has to offer and so how can we how can I guess I guess what I'm what I want to take away and think more about is how can I live in that place where I'm not straying away but but also I'm not kind of in that um, overly ascetic place um, where I am 
drinking deeply and eating freely of what God's providing me and the, what, what proceeds forth from his joy and his love for me. We're taking this topic and the pursuit of purity and the fight against sexual sin very seriously, but we're not being motivated out of fear. Mm-hmm. And I think being able to do both of those at the same time yeah. is um, really Im- important. Many years ago, I discovered pornography for the first time and more than any other experience in my life, it thrilled me and shocked me like like nothing I'd ever experienced. My first porn binges would last for hours into the dark night, even to the point where night turned to morning and I couldn't get enough more and more is is what my heart desired and craved and more and more is what I got. I reached a point where one morning after dropping off my grandparents at a church, I walked to the neighborhood and my entire body trembling, spasming from this conflicting desire for more and for it to be rid of my system forever. I just wanted to be free of it. I just wanted to pretend like it had never happened, but it had, and there was, there was no taking it back. I often wonder how Jesus would react to the modern age, technology, and shortcuts to intimacy and relationships all around. Pornography just a subset of a greater societal cultural problem. He did speak about lust, though. And what he said was not gentle, was actually quite harsh, harsher than even the law described. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. And yet, despite the gravity, despite the the perilous consequences of our sin, Jesus also offers this. In Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so, my brothers, in a world that beckons your constant gaze, drains your attention, your fixation, your obsession and objectification, a world full of outlets to deviate from the heart of the Father, may you never lose sight of his heart for you, his heart in you. Despite the failures, despite the shame, you are an image bearer reflecting the Father's heart. 
may you enter into his rest today. May you also enter into true community, not a facade, one of real relationships and real men, affirming the beauty and light in others by the same holy light ever guiding you. Well, there you have it, boys. Don't look at porn. It's bad. Cool. cool. But I'm glad we, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, I think it was a good conversation about kind of the, the deeper whys and, and mm-hmm. what's really going on there and, um, and, and how we can actually grow instead of just kind of spin the tires in the same place mm-hmm. over and over again. And I didn't think that I would ever say this, but I actually wouldn't mind talking about this topic more. And so I wow. came in with, with a lot of fear and feeling uncomfortable and a bit of anxiousness, but uh, that is all gone and is now replaced by a desire to dive even deeper to what um, all this means and what this looks like for us. It is so. an it is an endless well. This point, <laughs> well. well, we can just keep on diving. It really is, though. I mean, honestly, we've and we've deviated already in various other topics that we've talked about. Like we've talked about temptation on another podcast. Um, we've talked about counseling and therapy on previous podcasts. We've talked about um, something that I think would be interesting to talk about to have an entire episode on would be accountability. Mm-hmm. I think accountability and just the concept of confession like i think that's worth a deep dive as well and that intersects with pornography so pornography intersects with a lot of interesting concepts Mm -hmm. and so i think it's uh yeah i think sooner than later we'll be intersecting with this again i think and i'm glad that uh yeah i'm glad that you came around (laughs) jacob and that this wasn't the worst thing me too jacob at yourotherbrothers.com and wants to talk more about it send all of send all of the emails please i hope you get flooded yeah also jacob with a k so (laughs) Make sure you get you get that right. And yep. two B's. Yep, two B's. And again, my email is dean at your <laughs> We'd love to hear your stories, y'all. Feel free to reach out anytime. Um, yeah, if y'all have stories to share about pornography, um, we talked about a lot in a short time, but triggers, um, kind of like your origin story or or your the like the ability to to face temptation, accountability, connection. Like, what does that all look like? If you have a story to share, we'd love to hear it. A PG-13 story to share. PG-13, yes. Follow our comment policy. It's also on our website. Um, share a story with us. Um, you can go to yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Find the episode 56 uh, post on pornography and share with us your experience. And we'd love to rally around you, hear some stories, and uh, yeah, just know that you're not alone. Like I referenced earlier in this episode, this is something that's so wide reaching. Like there's some things, some struggles that, that are niche and that are not as frequented, but, um, this is one fair to say that goes across the board, um, for a lot of people. So I hope it is something that we don't just theoretically talk about, but we actually do Mm -hmm. talk about. So yeah, this was a great episode. Thanks again to Candy for sponsoring it. Covenant eyes wouldn't return our calls for some reason. (laughs) So we had to go with Candy. (laughs) Covenant eyes, what up? Yeah. unbelievable Mm. but yes thank you candy for sprinkling this episode with your sugary (laughs) rot it's been great um and thank you jacob and ryan for joining us from the fort together i appreciate y'all taking the time in the midst of all your adventures um to have this conversation i really appreciate that you're welcome our pleasure
Mm-hmm. I guess I'll yeah be seeing you guys in Florida. <laughs> you you won't not, ever go to not Florida. In June. I won't be able to <laughs> convince you before June. Not not in June, but yes, sometime. That would be that would be another epic uh, chapter to the to the saga of us recording together. Indeed. Um, yeah. So that's it, y'all. That was episode number two of the month. We are off and running on this new adventure. So uh, stay tuned in a couple weeks for our next episode. We'll be right back with something surely exciting and deep dive worthy i'm sure so for all your other brothers i'm tom i'm jacob and i'm ryan reminding you that you are not alone remember even the sparrow finds a home see you next time bye everyone bye thanks for listening to your other brothers podcast navigate more with us at yourotherbrothers.com and comment on this episode at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast subscribe to our show to never miss an episode And if you enjoy what we do, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. If you'd like to further support our storytelling effort, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly and receive perks like calls with authors and other supporters, access to a secret Facebook group, and additional podcast content. Visit patreon.com slash yourotherbros for more information. Don't miss our monthly bonus podcast on Patreon, The Yabalog featuring responses to previous podcasts, content not featured in public episodes, calls from listeners, and more. Ask us a question or tell us a story by leaving us a message at 706-389-8009. If you're new to the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com. You can also write us at Your Other Brothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.